Before we continue, we'd like to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Newcastle Business District. The Newcastle Business District continues to promote, develop, and enhance our downtown business area through community projects, promotions, and economic development. It was first created in 1983 under the name Newcastle Business Association and was renamed Downtown Miramichi Business Network. This was following Newcastle's incorporation into the new city of Miramichi in 1999. In 2006, it was renamed again to Newcastle Business District. Despite the many changes in its name over the years, the organization's goal has always remained the same, which is to further enhance the active growth of the downtown business community, Newcastle Business District. Shop Downtown Newcastle. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Corcoran Entertainment Show. I'm your host, Frankie Corcoran. And uh, isn't that crazy that we're in May already? Isn't that something? Um, for those of you comic book movie fans, you guys know that uh, this is the big week. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Super, super stoked. Uh, definitely be sure to get your tickets for that. I'll be doing some type of spoiler, or like maybe, not sure. Should I do a non-spoiler review or a spoiler review first? Oh, well, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. I'll see how, how uh, eventful the movie is, but... From what I'm hearing, the early, the first reactions, they're pretty damn good. And uh, The Flash actually also premiered at CinemaCon uh, just recently, too. So, uh, and apparently that's phenomenal as well, as we've been told uh, prior. Um, so, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, The Flash, so much good stuff coming this year. I am psyched. Um, so, just, yeah, <laughs> there's my little plug for uh, for our comic book movies uh, within the next two months. So, Anyways, guys, uh, today I'm going to be joined by one of my favorite people in the entire world, uh, Judy Loge. Judy Loge, uh, you guys know her. Uh, for those of you guys around Miramichi and surrounding areas, of course, she's the co-host of, of uh, Have a Chat on Rogers TV. Uh, most recently, she starred in the Bell 5 TV1 series, Brit Out of Water. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that, talk a little bit about Have a Chat. I'm going to have a chat with Judy Loge. Um, and she's just one of my favorite people on the planet. Um, and, uh, Judy, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to, to, to have a chat with me. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the last time I'll say that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, and, uh, later in the show, uh, after, uh, after, um, I, I talk with Judy, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about, uh, movies that improve on second viewing. I thought that this was an interesting, uh, topic. And then, uh, my, my second one, I want to talk about, uh, the big problem I have with the upcoming Walking Dead spinoff, Dead City. Uh, that's something that, uh, it's coming up pretty quickly, uh, next, yeah, next month. It's crazy. Uh, so that's coming up soon. And uh, just there's one huge problem with it that I will delve into later on in the show. Uh, so without further ado, guys, uh, sit back, relax. Uh, if you're driving, um, just watch the road, watch for deer, whatever time of night you're listening to this, and just enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Corcoran Entertainment Show. I'm your host, Frankie Corcoran, and today I am joined by another host of another talk show, or co-host, I should say, of Have a Chat, which is on uh, Rogers TV, and uh, you also probably have uh, 
recognized her. She's very, very uh, popular within the Miramichi community. And uh, for those of you who watched uh, Bread Out of Water on Bell 5 TV, you will recognize her as Doris, who played uh, Adam Lorden's mother, uh, or da Danny's mother. Uh, Judy Loge. Judy, how are you? Hi, Frankie. Thanks for this invitation. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you, Frankie, whether it's talking on the phone or in person. Thanks for having me. Yes, of course. Oh my God! Like uh, as soon as as soon as uh, I, I sent you the 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 message, I was like, okay, now it's just a matter of scheduling you in because it's you're so busy between the Brit out of water, which by the way, congratulations on all the success with that and uh, the rave uh, reviews come out with that. So how does it feel now that uh, Brit Brit out of water is out? Uh, people are finally seeing it. It was. Uh, it was a while ago that it filmed. It was back in uh, August. So how does it feel now that it's out? You can finally talk about it and people are seeing it. How how, how has uh, the reception been? It's been a relief in a way, Frankie, because as you know, until it's put on the screen, you don't really know how well you've done or how the audience will perceive you if, it's a, if it is a success. Uh, but So I did my very best to do the part of Doris, which was a great honor. And actually, you know yourself when you see yourself on TV or just on screen, you, you kind of look at yourself and say, oh, you know, do I really look like this? Or I'm doing my, my habit chat. It's, you're analyzing your body movements and thinking, oh, it's too much, you're not enough. So I think overall that when it came out, I was pleased with my part. I picked myself apart, of course, that's normal. But I do think that I brought doors to life in the best way possible i mean adam wrote the part for you too so like that was like and uh, he even mentioned uh uh at the premiere during the the q a segment he said so if judy said no i would have been screwed like i don't know what i would have done i had no backup plan how did you feel when adam said that was there extra pressure where like oh god i gotta take this part now or like i want to do this justice like uh what was that like well, at first, I was so honored that he would even consider me for something such as a TV sitcom. I've done, you know, theater my whole life. I've done the talk show for going on nine years with Bernie Garcino now for Have a Chat's provincial talk show. But having to be um, on television in the acting world is a totally different role. So I was just honored that he considered me and then that he actually scripted it for me. I thought, what if I was going to Tokyo or something that, you know, when they were filming, but he just assumed he would work around my schedule and that I would be a good fit and that I would say yes, because Adam and I are very good friends. I watched him grow up, he knows me well, he knows my personality and he really had me as Doris, as almost like Judy, but with the extras basically. No, there. And then uh, Ivan said to uh, Adam the uh, last time I was talking to them on the podcast, I said, in what world is Judy Loja your mom? Like, isn't that like, like everybody dreams of that, you know, <laughs> like that's so so um, and, and then seeing the chemistry between you and Adam was just so natural. Like, what was it like? Um, um transitioning so of course like uh, you mentioned oh like like uh, you've been doing theater like you know your whole life and then now you're acting on screen how big of a transition was that where now you know acting on stage is is one thing now you're acting behind the camera like what's that H how has it changed well first of all the good thing about the whole thing is that I do have acting experience, not trained professionally, but have done it since I was probably age 
eight or nine. I've been in school plays all the way up to high school, right through university. For the four years I was there, I took part at St. Thomas University in their theater program and productions. So I really did have a grasp on, I feel a good grasp on my acting skills and some really good directors in the past. So that was a bonus for me to take it from stage onto television because I was comfortable in my own skin. And I've done so many different roles that to do a role where I'm actually not unlike my real self was not that difficult for me. If I had to play a totally absurd character, it might've been a little bit more challenging, but it was kind of quirky the way that I am in real life and kind of funny. I'm funny, sarcastic, and I'm basically a witty person. So some of those lines were, were kind of Jewy uh, lines anyway, as Doris uh, pre presented them. But the, the big difference between acting on stage and acting on television is that, um, as I alluded to on the question answer period on stage after the premiere, when you're on stage, the audience is basically blacked out. So you're acting and you're not knowing who your members are that are watching you perform. As opposed to television, you know that it's being watched by everybody. And also when the actual events taking place that there are cameras everywhere. So when you're on stage, there aren't any cameras and there aren't any people to throw you a lot. Well, there, there could be prompters, but normally I do theater acting without prompters, which is a little bit challenging. So the good thing about being on a TV sitcom is that you can break and you can do a redo if you have to until they get it right, as you know, because you're a part of it yourself. They, they can cut, they can edit. It, it's different again from when I do my talk show because it's live and they don't edit it. So there's all these different scenarios, either on stage with a prompter or no prompter, memorizing. It could be two hours of lines in your production that you have. And then with, with TV, it's a full one hour conversation, which is basically comfortable because you know who your guests are going to be in the line of questioning that you want to take it to. There are four, five, six different cameras in your face at all different angles. So it's a little bit more imposing, should I say, but, and a little bit more intimidating because it's right up close and personal as opposed to being on stage where you don't know who's out there watching you. No, 100%, 100%. Well, then even like when someone records uh, the plays uh, that I'm in and I go back and look at it, I'm like, oh my God, like, is that what I look like? Is that what I sound like? Yeah. Is that what you're like? Uh, I, I mean, like uh, you said that uh, you're like that with regards to 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 um, TV and looking at it like, oh my God, like, is that what I look like? Is that what's it like with uh, with uh, uh, have a chat? Are you like that with have a chat where it's all live? You're like, okay, like I can't cut this. I can't cut that. Mm -hmm. uh, are you looking at it afterwards like, oh my God, I wish I didn't do that. I wish I didn't say that. Like what's that? No. Be? Because it's live. Like there's no cutting. There's no nothing like that. It's just what you see is what you get, you know? That's right. And so you have to kind of talk yourself into being as presentable and appropriate as you can possibly be knowing that you have to speak slowly. I tend to speak very fast. So I had to train myself when I'm interviewing as we're talking now to tone it down talk slower i watched my hand gestures i you would think i was an italian woman my hands go 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 <laughs> i speak with my hands i had to learn that when you're on television you you keep your hands in place because otherwise it's so very distracting so i've learned to be better at hosting a talk show by analyzing my gestures and my voice and my engagement 
and, and looking people right in the eye and, and yet not trying to be intimidating when I look them in the eye because you know how it is when you stare at a person, they feel a little bit nervous. So I, I do know how to make people comfortable. And then, then when they're comfortable, that makes my job a lot easier. Well, there, I'm just going to stare you down in the eyes. Now be intimidated by now. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Staring contest right here. The ultimate staring contest. Sure. <laughs> and, and the people listening to this, it's audio only, so they don't know what we're doing. They're like, it's just silence. Like, what are they doing? Frankie. They can't see me winking at you. <laughs> yes. You guys can't see this, but Judy's staring at me. My God, she's a beautiful woman. You are, you are, <laughs> you, you, you are so stunning, Judy. Uh, I mentioned this to you when... Um, when uh, Brit Out of Water first came out and I watched uh, the whole first season, my favorite episode was uh, the one where it's uh, your babysitting James's boys who are also James's kids in real life. And I remember working with them uh, uh, during that one scene where, where, where they're giving their dads uh, stuff away and they're just so energetic and they're so full of light. And you got to work with them. Like that was basically a whole subplot for an episode where you were you guys were doing the crafts. What was it like working with them in that scene? So with my sons, having been at that age at one point, as the same thing happened in the show, you get yourself to a place where you're trying to get them to do something like a project. And, oh, if you do this, we're going to go for a drive because they just do not want to go along with you. So I took myself back to my own relationship with my child, whichever boy it was at the time, that, that was nine years old. And it was easy to fall into the role as a mom to these two kids who were just not going to be compliant. <laughs> and it was just so funny. Like they're, they're so, they're so, um, uh, 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 natural behind the camera. They're, they're just like their dad. Like they're just yeah. like, they just slipped right into it. And then even, even, uh, being with them on the set when they're handing you the, the crafts and stuff, like we, he says anything for the sick children. And then. That's that's right. And in that scene that you liked where I said, let's do this, boys. Let's get this done. We're going to make some crafts. And then it's like, this is so lame. You know, so, I mean, you're trying not to laugh. And that's a very, uh, that's a really good skill for a good actor to have is the ability not to laugh when you want to craft up. You have to tell yourself, do not laugh. Stay in character. That's key. Uh, there's nothing ruins something more for me when I'm watching a live show or maybe even watching a comedian laugh at themselves or laugh uh, laugh when, you know, they shouldn't be laughing because it just ruins it for me. So even though there were times that you want to bend over, things were so comical, you had to stay in character and be true to your own. And then, uh, like we said, one of the benefits of doing TV is that we have the privilege of cutting and go, oh, crap, we laughed. All right, start over again. But if theater, if you laugh on stage... Oh, that's it. You're done. Have you that's had moments right. like that? I mean, like uh, during your 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 uh, your um uh your your uh, uh shows in the past, <laughs> has there been a time where you're like, oh my god, I want to laugh, but I can't? Oh, like absolutely. Like in my theater world, I've done comedy, and there were some of the lines people had that were so hysterical. You're thinking, I don't even know how I'm going to get through this without busting a gut. But because you don't want to ruin it for your audience, and it just it just is it, it does ruin it. You train yourself to take your place in your head to somewhere that's okay, be serious, be serious because you're gonna ruin it for that person if you start laughing at them. It's gonna throw the hot straight off. So I've, I've, I've trained myself in a lot of different ways to do the right thing at the right time. And then just throws the whole story. And then, <laughs> because one second you're watching, you're watching characters uh, telling a story and then next second, 
once someone laughs you're like oh no like that now now they're just the actors like and you can tell like like uh you see through the cracks and that's when you know like okay now 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 i'm totally out of the experience so that's why with theater like definitely if something happens just keep going prop breaks on stage just keep it going like that's that's uh all you uh all you got to do so how does it feel like you're you're now on uh the opposite side now now i'm uh interviewing you normally you're the one that's uh interviewing people when 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 does your uh, have a chat uh record and where where do you guys do it and uh you've been doing it for how long now nine years Yes, Frankie. So it, it was an idea that I actually had uh, some time ago, and I'm going to say that it was about 10 years ago. Uh, we were sitting in the station at Roger Studio in Newcastle, near Mishy West, and we were, we, Veronique and I were guests um, on the show that Audrey Lynch was hosting at the time. I think it was, um, I, I drop a line or something. I forget exactly what her talk show was back then, but Anyhow, we were guests talking about the Rotary Club. And then after it was over, I said, that was kind of fun. We should do a light talk show. There's so much to do with Bloom on television that people need something light and community-oriented. And I thought, you know, this that would be a good idea. So the producer at the time said, not a bad idea at all. But it's going to take some time to put it through head office, to get back to you. It might take a year before it transpires. And it actually did unfold. And so it actually was... Audrey and Veronique and I, and Audrey stepped away for other reasons, and Veronique and I have continued to host this show, which is a Rogers uh, television production. It airs every Monday live at one o'clock from the studio, and then it plays once, at least once, if not twice, throughout the following week. So it airs Monday, and then it's on again that night at 7.30, and then the schedule rotates, so it's maybe 2 o'clock on Tuesday, 10 o'clock on Wednesday, and it keeps going until we do a new show live again the following Monday. Well, there we go. So guys, definitely be sure to uh, check that out. And... Uh... I was actually on, I think it was two years ago now that, that uh, I was on virtually just like this. Uh, yes. what, what was it like now? Because like uh, with COVID, you guys, uh, of course, in the studio. And then once COVID hit, you guys had to do it virtually. And then you just had to do it. And then you just went back to the studio. How was that transition? Because I mean, uh, when I started uh, uh, this podcast and I, I still do it on Zoom, how big of a transition was that doing it virtually? I didn't really like it, Frankie. I'm, a, I'm an in-person uh, type of gal, and I like to interview one-on-one, seeing that person's face, and it, it gets you into the social setting in more of a real way, as opposed to just chit-chatting via satellite. So uh, there were perks to being at home. Now I could sit there in my underwear if I wanted to. I could have a nice blouse on. <laughs> and, then and they won't know. Sit there in my pajama if I wanted to. But no, it didn't have the same effect. It was it, it was, was interesting, but a little bit more boring for me. I'm an in-person, in front of your face type of interviewer. And uh, for me, that, that was lacking for two years. I, I didn't I did enjoy it, but we made it work. No, it, it and 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 I mean like uh, that's that that was really the worst part about COVID was just not seeing people like that was the worst of it like just not being able to go out and then it, it it was this huge like as soon as we were out it was like oh thank god like i could i could finally see you again i can finally see everyone again and just yes. finally get back to normal you know what i mean so that's that 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 was that was the worst part of it for me i'm like if i get sick i mean like you know it is what it is i just want to be able to see people <laughs> like that was 
such a treat to go into the studio after we were able to have the, the protocols uh, back into place. Of course, we had to fill out a questionnaire about you know, the COVID questionnaire. We still have to wear a mask and, and, and check for COVID. As far as that goes, make sure our guests haven't been around anybody that's been exposed to the virus. So it's still out there, but at least we're back in person now and the restrictions are so much better you know, than they were two years ago, obviously. No, thank God. Thank God for that. I mean, um, uh, uh, you know, we're still dealing with it. We're still, you know, doing uh, what we can to get by. Shout out to your husband, by the way, for everything that he does for the community and keeping us all safe and healthy. And uh, yeah, shout out to you, Gerard. I'll have to get Gerard on here sometime, too. That would be great. He's very interesting. Yes, he is the best. And he works with my sister, Chelsea, as well, too. Uh, shout out to my sister as well. Uh, it's all a small world. So, uh, Ju Judy, uh, where can people find you next? Like, uh, do you have any projects on the horizon that people can catch in, aside from, of course, have a chat every week? Uh, where else can people uh, uh, catch you around in the community? I have at least two or three, if not four, engagements coming up, like publicly for, uh, we have the Rotary Club event coming up and have to MC. We have the Josie Foundation dinner coming up, which I will MC. I'm co-hosting an event on May 20th, a fundraiser for the Josie Foundation, a women's fashion show, and a uh, guest speaker will be Colette Martin talking about her, her survival as a victim of uh, domestic violence. I have so many things down the road always planned, but I'm never sure of something to do. And that's the way to be. That's the way to be. Because if we all if we all just sat around, like what, like uh, you know, what good's that gonna do? It's like do one play. Yeah, I might take a break, and then once you take the break, you're like, no, I want to get back to work. Like that's just how it is. And uh, it's so great. That's right. That's right. Exactly. It's so great seeing you, Judy, as always, even if it's virtually. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'll definitely yeah. can't wait to see you uh, around again sometime in the future. Thank you for coming on today, by the way, as well. And thank you for accommodating the the very uh, shitty connection that we've been having. But hey, we're here. <laughs> we're here. We're here. Right here. Right here. I want to commend you on working and you as an actor. actor. I mean, I mean, I adore your your actor, director, director, your I really, really admire you so much, but I really see a lot of me, you, and your age, and how inspired the best you can be on, and everything you do. And that's my mission is to give up my 100%. And you certainly are doing that for yourself. Oh, thank you, Judy. I didn't pay her to say that, by the way, guys. Just so you guys know, I did not pay Judy. I'm very sincere when I said that, Frankie. Anything you're in, I want to be at it. Oh my God. Absolutely. You will be the first one to receive a, uh, invite or message or offer anything. Uh, just clear, clear, clear your schedule. I'll want you there. So I definitely, uh, yeah. wanted to make sure that I got you here today. Uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. And I look forward to seeing you, uh, out and about, uh, within the community in the near future. Likewise, Frank, it's always a pleasure. You have a great rest of the week. Okay. Oh, I most certainly will. Thank you, Judy. Uh, that was Judy Loge, guys. Uh, we will take a short break and we will be right back after a little bit of music. But until then, this is Judy and Frankie signing off. Thank you, Judy. Bye-bye, Frankie, everybody.
everybody. Welcome back to the Cork and Entertainment Show. That was me and Judy Loge. Uh, definitely be sure to uh, check out Brett Out of Water. It is still on Bell 5 TV. And uh, you can watch Judy just giving it her all. She it truly is the best. So uh, thank you again, Judy, for coming on. It's always great chatting with you. And I uh, hope to see you again sometime in public soon. Um, so uh, my first uh, primary discussion topic today is uh, going to be with regards to... Now, this was something um that it's it, it's a very interesting topic that i find we don't really think about too often which is movies that improve on second viewing um have you ever watched a movie um and it is just like what the hell did i just watch i can't believe this movie was shit this this movie's bad this and that and then maybe like i don't know like a few years down the road you watch it again and you're like why did i hate that this movie's awesome um and so i I, I I I was just like that. I was I was very much like that. So um, one for me, which it's funny. I don't have as many ones that improve on second viewing. I find now. I mean, like you watch all these movies as kids. That uh, of course back then, critics and people <laughs> people who really uh, uh, watch movies for the. Uh, the the nitty gritty and the very compelling story and picking a point uh, uh, picking apart the pacing and this and that when you're a kid you don't really think about that so uh, for me it's more so common when I find movies from years ago that I used to love that I watch it now and I'm like oh Jesus like <laughs> dude, why why did I like that movie um so uh one for me that that um I'll I'll get this out of the way right here quickly. The first time I watched it, I don't even remember when I watched it, to be honest with you, like middle school or something like that. Um, God, I can't remember now where, if it was, I don't know where we where where I watched it first. I, it was, it was on TV or something. I can't remember now. Maybe Netflix was, um, people are, are going to say, holy shit, you're crazy, uh, which was Goodfellas. I hated that movie at first. I just, I, I don't know. I did not like it at first. I'm like, okay, great. Joe Pesci's awesome. Great. That's awesome. Um, but, uh, you know, Ray Liotta, God bless his soul. God rest his soul. Um, but I was like, I don't know. Like, this, just this movie is just, I don't know. I don't like this movie, like, at all. Um, and so, you know, for, for years I'd say, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Goodfellas. And then uh, it just came on Netflix. Or actually, no, it didn't just come on Netflix. It's been on Netflix for a while. But... But I ended up watching it, and uh, I just remember my first reaction afterwards was like, "Why did I not like this before? This movie's awesome. <laughs> why did I, why did I say I don't like this movie at all?" Uh, and then all of a sudden, like, like it was just fantastic and it was amazing. And of course, Goodfellas, you know, it's one of the greatest movies of all time. Um, but that's an example. Well, honestly, I really do think it is. Um, the age i think that's what it is i i think there's a certain um you know when they say oh this movie is uh recommended for or like you know this rated pg-13 this is 14 and up 18 and over um and some people don't think about that they go into it and see a bunch of you know killing and stuff like that like God, i hate that movie it was just too much um I was one of the first reactions that I, I heard from people from uh, The Wolf of Wall Street uh, when I was really interested in going to see it, uh, be, uh, being a Scorsese fan. And um, it was it was just so funny when uh, people say, oh, don't watch it. It's got this. It, it, it's got all this unnecessary nudity and all the swearing and all this blah, blah, blah. And then I watched it. I'm like, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Um, uh, but I, I think it's um, 
at the age it's it's as you get older you appreciate a lot of these movies like i'll be honest with you if you watch say goodfellas when you were in um like you know like what well, when did i say i watched goodfellas i watched goodfellas in like middle school or something like that back then i didn't like it i hated it and then i watched it uh, around my early high school years and i thought wow this movie's amazing um but I think it's just, you know, the older you get, the more you appreciate them. And then I think there's also, like I mentioned earlier, there's movies where they they actually deteriorate uh, over time as you grow up and you're like, oh, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> you know, that's just why did I, why do I think that's funny? That's, oh, that, that's just stupid. Uh, so I just think it's a maturity thing or maybe not a maturity thing, but it's just, um, nowadays like me going into the mario movie uh if i watched that back in my middle school days i would have said yes this is the best movie ever and this and that but now that i'm older i'm looking at it and i'm like okay this is wrong with it the pacing was off middle school me wouldn't have gave two shits about the pacing or 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 feeling like that the character character development was rushed like sure it's mario you know what i mean like just but now that we've watched so many movies um i'm a creator myself i'm a writer i'm a director um, for community theater, I mean, not like that's major or anything, but, um, but like, you know, as you, you know, you, you create, you see lots of, uh, plays, you see lots of movies, you see lots of TV shows and you go into it thinking, oh, because not that you're necessarily comparing it to other, uh, uh, shows or movies or whatever, uh, even if the content matter is the same, is different. Um, but I think it's really just, uh, like a show like Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad where you really see how amazingly well-written it is and then you watch a show that's not as well-written and you're like, okay, well, it had this wrong with it. It had that wrong with it. It had this wrong. It had that wrong. And I think as you start to watch any movie when you grow up, that's when it really starts to um, – that's that that's when you start to get a better grip on um, on movies, how you see them. Because nowadays, like, uh, what's, like, I remember the uh, one for me was, uh, back then I thought it was so cool, Pirates of the Caribbean 3 at World's End. Back then I said, this is the best movie I've ever seen. When I watch it now, it's, uh, like, or, sorry, not Pirates of the Caribbean 3, Pirates of the Caribbean 4, I'm sorry, Pirates of the Caribbean 4. I was trying to think, I was like, oh shit, I, I mixed that up. Um, <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean 4, um. Back then, I said, this is the best movie I've ever seen. I was, like, counting down the days till it came out. I watched the trip. I, <laughs> I was so upset with Bicycle Caribbean. I, you know how people say their prayers before bed? Or they, or they, or they pray before they eat. I would before I eat dinner, before I go to bed, I would watch the Pirates of the Caribbean four trailer. I was like, holy shit! I was like, I drove everyone insane, saying how excited I was for this movie. And um, when it came out, I said, yeah, this is the best movie I've ever seen. And then when I watched it years later, I'm like, this is not the best Pirates of the Caribbean movie ever. Like, don't get me wrong, um, Pirates of the Caribbean four on Stranger Tides certainly has amazing moments. Um, but you compare it to the first two, and the first two are probably the best of them. Um, you know, that's that's when you really start to look at it and 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 pick it apart. Um, your so because your first reaction, it's you're riding off the high. You're, oh my god, it was so awesome to see this and that. And then when you actually sit down and you think about it, you're like, oh, that wasn't so great. Uh, but then again, that's the best part about movies is that they're all subjective. Um, in a way, I like. 
I like when people critique a movie not just to say not just to critique a movie like they 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 critique a movie because they saw actual flaws with it they don't just say oh well i didn't like this part so i hated the whole movie it's like well no just think about it did you like everything else you know like that's what i like i don't like people that just come out and just say i hate this movie for this i hate this movie for that it's like okay we'll just take a minute and uh just talk to us about it what didn't you like about it you know um that's just me anyway i'm such a tv and nerd uh, a TV and movie nerd uh, that that's that's just how I operate you know I want I like I like engaging conversations I like talking about uh, what you didn't like what you don't like or a movie like you know say Batman vs Superman it's probably one of the most polarizing movies I've ever seen to me it wasn't very good um, but to some people some people actually really liked it and I like when I hear people say well I liked it for this reason I liked it for that reason and then I can say okay well I didn't like it for this reason and for that reason um, because it opens up a discussion, and then that also helps other people go. Oh, I see that. What I I can kind of get what they're talking about. So that's what I like about it. Um, but definitely, guys, I want to know your thoughts on social media, and and um, just let me know what movies improved on your second viewing, and what movies uh didn't get better on your second viewing. For me, the movie that got better on second viewing was Goodfellas, and next one for me probably be Pirates of the Caribbean four. But there's so many. Oh my god, there's so many. Um, Grown Ups two. Oh yes, Grown Ups two is one. I, well, Grown Ups one and two. I remember we had this big plan. Oh my my. It was my 13th birthday or my 14th birthday. Let's go see Grown Ups 2. We laughed. We laughed. And then uh, we watched it. I, I watched it at a Halloween party uh, like three years ago. I said, what the fuck am I watching? I'm like, holy fuck. This is so bad. Um, God damn. Uh, but anyways, guys, let me know your thoughts. I'm really curious to see what everyone thinks of that. So definitely hop on social media and let me know your thoughts. And so our uh, last discussion topic today is I want to talk a little bit about the, the main problem that I have personally with The Walking Dead, Dead City. Now, I know some of you guys, you know, you, you, you haven't kept up with Walking Dead for years. You're like, Walking Dead, Dead City? What the hell is that? Didn't Walking Dead end? No, Walking Dead ended, but it's just getting started because, of course, we have, um, well, like, God, um, Four main, four spinoffs. Yeah, I had to count for a second because we have, of course, uh, Dead City, which we're going to talk about today, uh, the Daryl Dixon series, um, and uh, the Rick and Michonne series, and Fear the Walking Dead, which is starting up uh, pretty soon, actually, uh, uh, for its final season. And I think that's it. I'm, I, I'm, don't think I'm missing any. But um, I mentioned before, the ones I'm most excited for. Um, I mean, fear, I, I, I have been a fan of fear off and on for, for a while. Cause, uh, first three seasons, excellent season four and five. Yeah. Season six was stellar. Season seven started off awesome. And then it just took a dip, uh, and hopefully season eight can keep it up. Um, keep it up in a good way not in a bad way like uh keep <laughs> I can't was gonna say if they keep going up from season eight that means that it, it's just gonna get shittier and shittier i want season eight to be good and judging from the trailers i think it's going to be but i said that about season seven uh whatever i'm enough topic so uh the ones i'm most excited for is uh number one is the rick and michonne series because of course uh rick is the best character my favorite character in the walking dead in all of the walking dead so um that's my number one favorite just to see him again andrew lincoln back in the role um um, and Michonne too, but really for it's Rick for me because he's been gone the longest, and um, so yeah, that's for for me. And um, second is uh Dead City, which uh of course Maggie and Negan they go to New York to save Herschel who is just kidnapped by some 
unknown villain. We don't know anything about him, uh, but I'm sure we're going to find out next month. June 18th, uh, Dead City comes out. And um, actually, those are probably the only two that I'm excited for because I really don't give a shit about the Daryl Dixon spinoff. I really don't give a shit about that. Um, nothing against Norman Reedus. Nothing against the character of Daryl. I just... Daryl in France by himself... <laughs> Man... I just doesn't interest me in the least. So, um, Daryl Dixon, I'm sorry. I will not be tuning into that uh, unless something major happens and they say, hey, like uh, this, this character's coming over, that character's coming over, then yeah, maybe I'll check it out. But right now, I have zero interest in watching Daryl walking around England or France, sorry, France. See, that's how much I don't care about it. I, I, I don't care that I butchered the setting. D just seeing Daryl walk around France or wherever the hell he ends up, just... <laughs> I don't trust you, man. Hey, what's up? Like, I, I don't give a shit about it. I really don't. So, so Dead City is coming up soon in June. Uh, but my main problem that I want to have... So, this comes from... It's uh, an article uh, from comicbook.com. And I wanted to read this because it was when I saw this that I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. Um, it's uh, right here. So... Uh, it uh, the article is the Walking Dead Dead City showrunner previews Maggie Negan's next chapter. So, uh, grief, loss, trauma. Those are the three words series creator and showrunner Ellie Jorn Jornay uses to describe what is at the core of the relationship between Maggie, Lauren Cohan, and Negan, Jeffrey D. Morgan, on the Walking Dead Dead City, AMC's new spinoff series, picking up years after the enemies turned allies reach a de detente, or I'll just say an agreement. Um, or, or, or made amends or whatever in the Walking Dead series finale. Maggie told Negan that she could never forgive him for killing Glenn, Stephen Young, even after he saved Glenn's, Glenn and Maggie's son, Herschel Ree. I don't want to hate you anymore, Maggie told Negan. I don't want to hurt like that. But now, years later, that hurt resurfaces when a slightly older Herschel is kidnapped by the Croat. Uh, Maggie's mission to save her son brings her to a walker-infested New York City and back to Negan. Uh, this is the next chapter in the story about Maggie and Negan. Another piece of it for me was what's at the core of Maggie and Negan's relationship. The grief, the loss, the trauma, uh, Dornager remarked during Dead City's WonderCon panel. How do you navigate something like that? To me, that was always the center of the show. That's at the core here. While The Walking Dead did such an amazing job exploring the Maggie and Negan dynamic, the flagship had to service down another dozen plus characters. In the more intimate Dead City, we really get to zero in and peel away all the layers that go deeper and deeper and challenge the characters of Maggie and Negan. Um, said Cohan, Lauren Cohan says this, uh, we see a very unprocessed level of trauma that we know happened between Maggie and Negan. In Dead City, we really get a chance to ask, what is this? What does it take to move through it? And more than anything, it's a chance for us to be forced together on this mission. The tension and unmovable things is are, are still very present, Cohan continued. We've seen them intersect so often, but in the show, it's really... It's really this tunnel that they're trapped in to face things they may have to run away from, more so what Maggie has run away from and what Negan brings up for her. It's like an exercise in intimacy with the worst person. Uh, and then it says, who's joining the show, The Walking Dead Dead City, premieres Sunday, June 18th. Um, so that's from comicbook.com. Uh, so when they talk about all their, like, you know, they're teasing tension and they're teasing all this stuff with Maggie and Negan. Uh, that was all of season 11. Literally, that was all of season 11. Um, I was excited going into season 11 because, of course, where season 10 ended off, where Negan basically comes to terms with his, with his past, he burns Lucille, he walks back to Alexandria, basically saying, I don't give a fuck, Maggie, if you want to kill me, come at me, because uh, I'm a new man now. 
I don't care. Um, and so then, like, the first half was them bickering. Uh, Maggie was in trouble. Negan didn't help her. Maggie was trying to get Negan killed and this and that. Um, and then as the season slowly went on, they slowly began to trust each other more. And then event- it eventually ends with Negan finally apologizing for killing Glenn. Uh, and Maggie basically says, like, you know, they had this, it's a, probably the best scene of the finale, to be honest with you, of the series finale. Uh, Maggie and Negan sitting down, uh, having a, uh, a very mature, serious conversation. And Maggie just says, okay, look, I'm, I appreciate everything you've done. I appreciate you saved my son. I appreciate you did this, but I can't forgive you. Cause every time I see you, I just see Glenn was the way he died with his, with the blood coming down his face and his eyeball popping out. Um, and it was a beautifully well done scene. I I thought the scene was excellent, and I just feel like they're gonna ruin it with just this magazine because now they're saying, oh well, now there's all this unspoken tension and it's not. Well, no, they they sat down, they came to an understanding that Maggie said, okay, you can live with us, uh, but I am never going to. But I I just can't forgive you for what you did to Glenn because I want to. I'm never gonna love someone like Glenn again. And when I think about him and I look at you, that's all I see is just that his eyeball popping out, basically. Um, So, yeah. And that scene was just such the perfect way to end their uh, uh, dynamic. And I just think they're going to ruin it. Because if all I'm hearing about Dead City is that, yeah, Maggie Negan still have some unfinished business. Even though we kind of came to somewhat of an understanding that I'm never going to forgive you and this and that. Um... I don't know. I just like where Maggie and Negan's story ended in the original series. Personally, I don't want. Now, here's like I don't want to say I didn't. I didn't want the spinoff. I wanted a Negan spinoff. I don't. Not that I don't like Maggie. I just don't think. Yeah. I didn't really have any interest in seeing her uh, have a spinoff. It's just Negan. Negan. I would. If it was just Negan in New York, that would have been epic. I would have ate that up. Negan, as a character, uh, was probably one of the best characters in the series since Rick left, and uh, he really kept a lot of people watching who probably would have left after Rick had uh, left the series. Uh, Negan kept a lot of those fans together, and, and like you know, a lot of the people that I talked to say, yeah, I I was going to stop watching after Rick left, but Negan was still around, so I kept watching for Negan. So yeah, see, pe- pe- people love Negan. People love Negan, and I love Negan too, and I would have loved to see just a Walking Dead, Dead City, I don't know, Negan and his new wife go to New York City with their new child, you know? Because um, it's kind of interesting um, because, of course, so uh, spoiler alert for the comic book series, at, at the end of the comic book series, Negan takes off and we don't see him again. Like, he leaves the communities. Uh, I think Carl, who is still alive in the comics, sees him, like, once in a while, every now and then, but uh, doesn't make much contact with him. Um Negan in the show, his story ended with basically, you know, he made peace with Maggie and this and that, and now he's allowed to live with everybody at the communities with his wife, but uh, just will understand that Maggie will never forgive him, and, and Maggie just, if I can't look at you some days, that's that. Um, and I just think this Dead City thing is just going to ruin that. If all they're going to do is bicker and fight th- th- throughout the whole thing. Now, don't get me wrong, maybe... Maybe, I don't know, they're just saying that just to to get people excited. I don't know, but I don't know. If if they're saying that to get people excited, I think they're doing a shitty job because all I'm hearing is people saying the exact same thing that I am, which is this is just too goddamn repetitive. Uh, we don't need to see these guys bickering and bickering over and over and over again. After they've made peace, you know, not that that shit goes away, not that she's ever going to forget that he brutally bashed her husband's skull in, um, but just they... 
they had a great end to that conflict that was going all season, and it was um, not even tension because God, they announced the spinoff. They announced Dead City before the final season premiered, and that was probably the dumbest goddamn thing they ever could have done. Because we knew Maggie, like um, Maggie and Negan, are in trouble. Don't worry, they got a spinoff, so they're not going to die. Um, it was just all a marketing tactic. Um, literally, literally, uh, it feels like the final season of The Walking Dead, or at least the person who wrote the series finale, was probably just uh, um, a marketing executive for AMC. Because all the all, all it screamed was there was no finality to the series finale in a way. I mean, like there were some, but it just seemed like this big. Hey guys, the show's over, but guess what? This is coming out now, and Rick and Daryl's leaving and going to find Rick, and there's Rick and Maggie and Negan are digging like it's just ugh, it's stupid. Um, so it kill it detracted from all the tension from the final season. I just think that was the dumbest thing they ever could have done. Um, but anyway, just so I'm rambling on about this. That's my problem with the Walking Dead Dead City is that uh, Maggie and Negan's conflict ended so beautifully. Uh, it was probably the best scene, honestly, in all of season 11. Maggie and Negan finally uh, uh, having that heart-to-heart where Maggie says, uh, yeah, I'm never going to forgive you. Probably the best scene of that entire season. Um, but now I feel like it's just going to be ruined with Dead City when all of a sudden now they're back hit, you know, at each other's throats. Like, I I, I don't know. Um We'll see how it goes. I'm still definitely going to check out Dead City, uh, but uh, I'm I am very skeptical uh, when I just hear all this stuff about oh, there's all this un unspoken grief and trauma. And like, no, we, we already talked about that grief. We already talked about that. Like, what do you what do you mean? Anyway, it's just dumb. Um, that's my opinion. Anyway, I, I could be the only one who thinks that. I, well, actually, no, I know I'm not the only one who thinks that because there's lots of people on YouTube who are making the same shit that I am saying. Maggie and Negan, same drama, same shit. Where, where did I see that article? I saw this. I, I saw another article here. Um, uh, Gizmodo, uh, The Walking Dead, Dead City to focus on, uh, uh, oh shit, to focus on the same old Maggie Negan drama. Yep, that's basically it. Um, yeah, like it's. Uh, let me see. Yeah, like it says right here. Um, this perfectly encapsulates it. Um, uh huh. I won't dig into whether The Walking Dead did an amazing job exploring the relationship, but I will say the original series spent plenty of time exploring it. Maggie and Negan spent almost the entirety of their screen time during seasons nine and eleven with each other. Over the years, Negan grew increasingly uh, uh, penitent, and Maggie stayed uniformly furious and distrustful of him, no matter how often he saved Maggie or Herschel. It occasionally would seem like they'd each they'd reach some kind of truth or understanding, but then Maggie would revert by, back by the next episode. And that's okay, no matter oh shit, add. Um, no matter how many brutal, heart, honest, heart-to-heart conversations you can have with someone, if that someone beat your husband to death with a baseball bat in front of you seven years ago, you tend to hold a grudge. And that's true. Like that's so so true. I mean, like I'm rambling about it now, but like they had an excellent story to the end of their character, and now they're just gonna leave a sour taste in our mouths by by basically ruining that just for money basically it seems like um who knows maybe once dead city the first season of dead city is done i'll do you know did this change my thoughts because right now i'm thinking it's going to ruin it completely but we'll see when it comes out uh june 18th i'm 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 actually pretty excited to see it but also very cautious I, i i i'm cautiously optimistic if that makes sense so 
Anyways, guys, that's going to do it for the show today. Um, I want to thank my guest, Judy Loge. Uh, definitely be sure to check out Have a Chat and Bread Out of Water. Uh, and, um, yeah, so thank you guys so much for tuning into the show today. Uh, enjoy that beautiful weather. Uh, enjoy Guardians of the Galaxy 3 this weekend. Super stoked to see it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be doing some sort of, whether it's a spoiler or a non-spoiler review, on the next podcast. And, uh, yeah, so until then, guys, this is uh, Frankie signing off. Enjoy the nice weather uh, and um, just stay ready in case it happens to snow or rain or whatever it does. (laughs) Take it easy, guys.